Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we have a great, great topic. We're going to get into the word together. We are going to get into the word. We're going to do some damage to the devil. <laughs> Amen. I love it. I am your host, John Westfall. This is my co-host, Pastor Duke Herget. And today we're going to answer the question, do babies or children go to heaven when they die? A lot of uh, Catholic doctrine uh, gets brought up on this topic, and uh, I came to a Catholic area in 1978, used to hear this question all the time. Not so much recently, but a huge thing in church history. Yeah, I, you know, you talk about the Catholic Church, one of the biggest things with the Catholic Church is infant baptism. Same, it bled over into the Protestant churches as well. It, it did to a little bit of a degree, didn't it? Yeah, sure did. And, uh, and so uh, what we're going to talk about today, and we're going to use scripture, we're going to look at it. Do babies uh, go to heaven? Do ch- does children go to heaven uh, when they die? You know, uh, what about the age of accountability? Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. Because... You have to talk about the age of accountability to answer this question. Yep. I know you're going to drag the Bible into this. You always do. I, I'm going to I'm going to straight up drag the Bible in and I'm going to impose uh some thought on it as oh, well, which yeah, is I'm totally su- surprised. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, cuz you and I have not discussed this at all. No, we're just trusting God for everything today. Amen. <laughs> but I have read the Bible 140 times, so I'm I'm equipped. I got yeah, my- you you are uh you're probably a well, I'm not going to tell you how many times you're above me but at any rate uh yeah i'm older than you so as we look at this and we're going to answer the questions because you know the reality is not everybody's going to be on the same page as us but if you go to the scriptures we'll get back to the same page yeah we're going to get we're going to get the same page um i thought it was really interesting uh because there's a a a popular evangel uh evangelical theologian uh, at one time and i can't remember his name but he he chided billy graham when billy graham was asked a question uh, as a matter of fact, Billy Graham, uh, he was at the Oklahoma City Memorial Service, and he said this. Uh, Someday there will be a glorious reunion with those who have died and gone to heaven before us. And that includes all those innocent children that are lost. They're not lost from God because any child that young is automatically in heaven and in God's arms. And that theologian uh, scolded uh, Billy Graham for that. And then he said this, the, the, the theologian said, a new gospel, justification by youth alone. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I look that guy in the eye and I would say, hell has never heard the cry of a child. I take a bullet right in the side of the head yeah. standing on that doctrine. Dude, I, I believe it, but I believe it for a multitude of, of reasons. That's I think there's, we're here to, that's why we're going to give those reasons today. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to look at it. And, uh, and I agree with you that God saves, uh, all those who are lost, uh, who, uh, do not reach the stage of, uh, of moral understanding. And, uh, and therefore how can they be accountable for something that they are clueless of? Or to call the age of reason, age of accountability, uh, different names for the same thing. Yeah, I um. So, so there's there's a couple of things that I'm gonna passages I want to pull up, but I'm not using these passages to justify uh, a baby or children babies or children going to heaven. I'm gonna use these passage these passages to show who God is. Okay, so First John four eight. Uh, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. love. And so so the first thing we're gonna establish is. God is love. Now, 
some people are going to go, well, God's love. And since God's love, he loves me. And so I'm going to heaven. That's not quite what that means. It's not what it means. It means that God is love. We establish that God is love. And by the way, we can't love except for God showed us how. He started it all. He started it. So I guess we got to blame him. <laughs> <laughs> then the second one is, is that God wants everyone saved. Now, God's not going to, not, not everyone is going to be saved. That is correct. God is not willing. That's probably the verse you're going to pull up here. First Timothy two, four, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Starting three for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. So, so we see that God is love and we see that God has this huge desire for everyone to get saved, to come to this knowledge. I think it's first Peter three is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Yeah. So every time someone rejects God, it, it, it breaks his heart. It's uh, against his will, but he has allowed that in giving uh, both men and angels volition, a choice. Yeah. I, uh, so, so we have this choice as an adult, but now, now comes to the question of this. When are we held accountable for the choice? Well, let me drag a couple of verses into it here. Yeah, um, man, do it. You take a look at uh, the young prophet Samuel. Uh, he was taken to be raised by the priest Eli. His godly mother Hannah had dedicated him to the Lord even before she conceived. Give me a man child, I'll give him unto the Lord. What a tremendous sacrifice. Yeah. He was uh, anointed to be the next prophet. He knew, had a lot of knowledge of God being raised around the scriptures, around the priesthood, uh, could quote the verses from the Torah, the law of God. But the Bible says that but the Lord was not revealed unto him yet. So one night, it's it's time. God's going to speak love to that, him. Right? Little Samuel, here's <laughs> a voice. Go to bed, Samuel. Go to bed. Uh-oh, wait and a minute. He runs. He hears a voice, <laughs> and he thinks it's Eli. He comes running up. Yeah, what can I do for you? You know, he was yeah. such an obedient, he was a great, great young man. Uh, we're not told how old he is. Right. But it said that the word of the Lord was not yet revealed to him, and this is the night it's going to be revealed. There's a, a day, there's a moment of, I think, awakening that we could learn from that passage. So it's the second time, same thing. Third time, Eli, like, oh my goodness, it's time. God's speaking to this kid. Right. And Eli knew it was coming, and sure enough, it happened. So third time, Eli says to Sammy, you just go back, and if you hear that voice again, it's God. Just say, hey, I'm listening. Your servant heareth. And it was God, and he was awakened. He was quickened. He had that moment. He was now uh, in contact with, he was now, I would say, accountable. The scriptures don't give us right. his age, but it does give us the experience. I agree with that 1,000%, but I, I, think, I think that we have a time, an actual time that we can know. Uh, Dan Blakesley, remember, you know, Dan Blakesley, he was from, uh, from BBC. And so he was a professor and he brought this out and I thought, Oh my goodness, man, this is it. He's spot on the age of accountability. It's different for everyone. We, I agree. We agree with that completely. Completely. I think this is when we can know their, the age of accountability for each person. Tell me, John. Right? Isn't it cool? Don't you love it? When someone... Why'd you hold us out on me? I want to know now. Come on, man. <laughs> okay. So Adam and Eve. Let's just go all the way back to Adam and Eve. If we, if we look at Adam and Eve, when they sinned, what was the first thing that they knew? They knew that they were naked. So my, my daughters. Oh, I see where you're going with this. Right? Yeah, yeah. So my daughters 
you know, they would run around the house, woo ha, you know, no towel, <laughs> drop the towel, run through little butt cheeks, running through the hallway, getting back to the bedroom to, I race to too. get dressed. I, I understand. Right? So then we we look at this, and one day they're like, they open the bathroom door. Dad, don't look. There's an awareness. There's an awareness of their nakedness. And I believe that the awareness of their nakedness is the day of accountability. That's a great thought. I'm going to ponder that. I don't buy it 100%, but yep. I buy it about 90%, 95, right? 96, 96.5. <laughs> it's growing. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. Yeah. So, so when you think about, when you think about that, um, all of a sudden, because here's why, uh, a recognize, a recognizing of your nakedness all of a sudden brings morality into your life because now you know that you have to keep that hidden. This is right and that's wrong. And you, yeah, yeah, there's an awareness there. There's an awareness yeah. on a level that had never been because, you know, before when they're running around naked and you could tell them no, they would understand no and not do it, so on and so forth. But, but they were doing what they were taught to do uh, and what they have always been taught to understand. But now, because, you know, you can tell them, go get your clothes on. They're like, neat, neat, whatever, right? <laughs> they don't care. And then all of a sudden one day, you don't have to tell them to put their clothes on. They're telling you don't look. Yeah, amen. That's an interesting thought. On this topic, we have uh, commonly brought into the conversation Jesus at age 12 going to the temple confounding scholars with, with his wisdom. And when his parents came back three days, they took to find him, and they were uh, amazed and he said to them, you know, where were you? You know, we missed you and we were afraid. And he said, wist ye not? I love that. <laughs> the old King James version. Wist ye not? Don't you know that I must be about my father's business? There was a right. keen awareness. Now, I don't believe for a second that, okay, it's the 12th birthday. You, you're on, you were on your way to heaven uh, uh, at 1159 last night. And now the clock struck 12. Now you're on your way to hell. I don't believe that yeah, for I a second. Yeah, I don't believe that. But it is interesting that uh, there was a keen awareness of Jesus that the, the father chose to record in the Bible, and it mentions the age. So I'm not saying the age of accountability is 12, but I just find that to be an interesting part of the conversation because I don't believe that it is a, it's a certain age. I think it's a, a certain moment, kind of like you just said. I, I think, But I think for us, I think that's a defining moment because they know and we can know like all of a sudden our, our children aren't innocent anymore. They because, know better because they know better because they understand. Listen, until they understand their nakedness, they're just still yeehaw. You know I mean? <laughs> 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 I don't know. <laughs> kind of embarrassing when, when you have company and your children haven't reached, reached that, reached that age of uh, right? awareness yet. Yeah. I, like that. I like that phrase age of awareness. That is definitely part of this conversation. I, yeah, I think so. So at age of, now, here's the thing. At the age of awareness, at that point, they can be held accountable because they're aware of, of, of a deeper, of more than just right and wrong of what they've been taught. But they're now they're aware 
of their nakedness. They're aware of their uh, how they need to cover that. They're, An act of their will to respond to this. There's All of a sudden, you have this whole process that they are now aware of. And when you are aware of that, that is something that can't be taught. That's interesting, uh, putting it, pull it all together. Uh, there's another huge uh, moment uh, in the Old Testament with Moses. They had the Exodus, the, 12, the 10 plagues, the uh, part, parted waters, uh, the Passover, and uh, they come up uh, in the wilderness. They're being tested, and they fail, and judgment falls. And God says, you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, 40 years of judgment for every day of opportunity that you blew. And he said, all of those that are uh, 20 years and under will make it into the land. And those that are 20 years or f- and older will not make it into the land. Right. Now, God didn't say this is an age of responsibility, but there was a line driven, uh, uh, drawn by God on that issue. People 20 and under, and I think some were believers and unbelievers, but it was interesting. God did draw a line there, everybody under 20. There's something else in that uh, passage that really ticked God off. When those sp- uh, spies came back, gave the evil report, there's giants in the land. We can't, we can't fight those guys. Uh, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. God was so ashamed of their unbelief after right. all they had seen. And then the people chided with Moses, and they said this, you just brought us out here to kill us and kill our children. They were calling God like a child abuser, and God got ticked off. And three or four more times in the Scripture, when God went back to that, he he made reference to you saying, I I don't care about your kids. God kept bringing that up over and over. You said, I don't care about your kids. I'll show you. So I think that's part of the conversation as well. Yeah, I uh, I'm gonna agree with that. I if if we go, uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna go back to God's love just for a second in uh, God's love in First John four eight that He desires all to be saved. First Timothy two four, and uh, two three and four, and then God's concern for children, right? Because you, yep. you just brought that up, Matthew eighteen fourteen, and and I love and again I love this says, even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. I think you got another one on the list. It's on my list. Uh, give it to me. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. God points to children as our example. He said, bring him here. Disciples thought, Jesus is too important. He's too busy. He doesn't have time for children. He's like, dude, wait a minute. Right. This is what it's all about, except you become his children. So if we have to become children in order to kingdom of God, what does that say about children? It tells me that they're kind of like already sort of on their way in. I actually have that verse down here. Let me, let me find it. Um, See, I'm so old. I can't even remember where the verses are anymore. I can quote them all over the yeah. place. <laughs> so where are they at? Oh, uh, they're in the Bible, man. Yeah. In Luke eighteen fifteen through 17 says, then they, also brought infants to him that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And so we see the value of little children and the innocence of little children. I think that's a huge word. Say it again. The innocence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's that, uh, I think of my children when 
uh, I would throw them up in the air. Of course, you know, every, I believe every dad has, and if you haven't, shame on you, dad. But at any rate, uh, I would take my girls. Now, I, you know me. I'm an intense guy, right? And so I, <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay, I'll write that down, John. Right. Okay. So I, um, uh, I would take my girls, and, man, my Sherry would get so upset with me because I didn't throw my girls five feet in the air. You didn't need to take them to the county fair. You just had that at home every day. Huh? I would throw my <laughs> girls legit 10 to 12 feet in the air. <laughs> my and, wife would kill you. <laughs> my wife wanted to kill me, right? And so I would throw them way, I mean, way in the air. And, and Sherry would just kind of cringe, right? And I'd catch them. And, and then the next time, guess what my children would do? They'd run to me. Dad, throw me in the air. Do it again, Dad. Right? Yeah. So, so. My children trusted me, and they came to me uh, with where my wife was like, are you crazy? You need to stop that. You're going to drop them. And my children were like, drop nothing, Dad. I, I trust you. But then they come to an age of accountability and reason. <laughs> and they also get too heavy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's part of it. That's, that's part of but it. But if we could trust God the way they trust us, mm -hmm. and that's I think that goes back to that story in the wilderness. The children, they walk, walk through the parted waters, and they're just simple, like God's big, he's good, he loves us. We ain't got nothing to worry about. Right. Well, the parents are totally freaking out. You know, they expected an easier way. Well, they expected and felt like they deserved an easier way. Yeah, that's that's a problem. Whereas children, uh, man, they're just like, uh, God? They're just ready to roll. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there's another verse here that I want to pull out, which realistically is the only passage that even remotely tells us that, that the infants go to heaven. Okay, and and it doesn't tell us that they do, but it implies absolutely. Second Samuel chapter twelve, verse uh, fourteen <clears throat> says, "However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme." So the reality is, you know, we think it was David's sin, but the bigger problem was it was David's sin that caused the people, the non-believers, to blaspheme God and not believe. He didn't practice what he preached. He did not practice what he preached. And so, and people were going to look at this and go, uh, God is, you know, God killed the child. Well, it's God's child anyway. It's interesting to get the format now. Here's a guy that really screwed up big time, sin, adultery, yes. murdered her husband. But that same man grace is so deep and the man got right with God. He repented and he paid for his, you know, he, he, he reaped the, the due recompense of his reward, but God na uh, names him in the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews 11. Right. So grace runs well, really and, and deep. How many, how many other people in the Bible do you see where, where God says he was a man after my own heart? I think there's just the one. Just David. And we can learn so much from that. Even great men have horrible moments. That was David's horrible moment. That was not David's lifestyle. He really messed up. And he tried to cover up for a while. Then he, he, he was confronted. He broke. He repented. And so the baby's dead now. Right. So now, uh, so Nathan has called him out. And he says, because you have shamed God and the people will blaspheme God, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Oh, there's a. The Na, uh, then Nathan departed to his house. Now we pick up in verse 15, and the Lord, uh, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. 
David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? We got to deal with this. David could tell by their countenance that, uh, you know. So in verse 20, now we jump down to 23. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can I tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that my child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. No one for a second would doubt that David made it to heaven, even though his sin, grace is greater than his sin. He got right. Yep. He's, a, he's in Hall of Fame of Faith. David is going to spend eternity in the good place in heaven with this child. That's the right. child, he's saying, is already there. He already preceded there. me. I'm going to go where this child is at. That is so huge. To me, that tells me that all, I think this is implicit. I think it is. Uh, revelation of God to people that babies are in his hand. We sing, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the itsy bitsy baby in his hands. That is biblical theology. That is love. How big is itsy bitsy? (laughs) Uh, Most recently for us, uh, six pounds, seven ounces. Our newest grandson. How cool is that? Congratulations, Uh, right? Number eight and plus one in heaven. Yeah. We got one in heaven. Caleb Michael. So, and, and, and the, here's the, the precious promise of God is that, and we see it through David, right? And, and David says, man, I, I can't bring him back to be with me, but I can go be with him. Yep. And that is a sweet promise. I think that's the bottom line. Just I think God says, is. you want to know how much I love you guys? Watch this. The greatest earthly tragedy, the death of a child. Yeah. And God said, come here, bring right. him to me. I have absolute assurance from the scriptures. My grandson is with Jesus in heaven. Now, here's what I don't know. When I go, will he be a baby? Will we raise him up in heaven? Will he be a little boy? Will he be an adult? I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. But I'll tell you what, it don't matter. It's my grandson. And he'll be there. He'll be there. And it's going to be greater than I can dream. Yeah, I think the the most important thing is that, that he will be there. And the truth be told, I'd rather him be there and me not know who he is than for me to know who he is and him not be there. Yeah. You know, this story in the scriptures is sacred. And if people will come back to this, it just it brings them such peace. Right. I think of the religious confusion and how maybe religions have actually used this heart-rending topic for their own religious advantage to scam people, to take money from people. Dude, it's happened over and over again. You know, you look at church history, when you, you just go to the Bible, it's it's clear. Children die, absent from the body, present with the Lord. They go to be with the Lord and we'll go join them someday. The greatest earthly tragedy becomes the greatest heavenly glory. You're not going to have a child in heaven complaining, oh man, I had to come here when I was six months old. Right. You know, no, no, no. Anything in the worst place in heaven is better than the greatest place on earth. But religion came along and they took advantage of the of the innocence of and brokenheartedness of people when the church that had been there to comfort people. I'm speaking specifically of the Catholic Church here. Uh, an, an infant is born, and they have to get that baby baptized immediately. 
because if he's not baptized and he dies, he'll go to a place called limbo, which is never found in Scripture. Limbo does not exist. That's a man Purgatory does not exist. So now now the parents are, oh, no, i got to get that baby right now. I can't take it to the store. I can't take it to Grandma's house. i got to get it to the church ASAP so that that priest can wash away the child's sin. Right. And they call it original sin. The whole doctrine of infant baptism, which was paramount in the Catholic Church and bled over into the well, Protestant Church and rejected by the evangelical church, exactly. infant baptism. Yeah, because uh, what happened was to understand why the Catholic Church did that. And I'm not bashing the Catholic Church. It just is what it is. I mean, this, these, this is history, and you can go back and research it and, and find it. We have a thing called Anabaptists. Yes, rebaptizers again, again baptized yeah, or rebaptizers. Yeah, rebaptizers, and so people were leaving the Catholic Church and getting saved. They were going to uh, the Anabaptist Church, and the, and they were going. Whoa, wait a minute! We don't accept infant baptism because that's nowhere in the scriptures. So if you want to be a part of this church, now that you're saved, you need to get baptized. And then people were getting baptized. Then the Catholic Church was noticing this mass exodus, and they said. How can we get how can we get the people back into the church and the birth of infant baptism? And, and I, again, I'm not trying to I, and I know, oh, please, if you're Catholic, is, don't turn us off. Just research it. This and, is just history. It's history. It isn't it isn't our fault and your fault and anybody's fault. Exactly. It's just what happened. Right. So we have to be aware of what happened. But even more important than being aware of what happened, we need to what the scriptures say, because that's the answer. Right. So infant baptism is nowhere in the scripture. The Bible says, what doth hinder me to be baptized if you believe with all your heart? So you have to have that age of reason uh, somewhere along the line to make your choice to be baptized biblically. Right, yeah, because that's Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts. Yeah, and it's not the parent's choice to baptize a child. It's a parent's choice to dedicate a child, like Mary and Joseph dedicated baby Jesus on the the eighth day. And and of course, the, the dedication is... I will raise this child up in the word of God, or I will raise this child up in a house that serves God. Absolutely. So it's the act of the the will of the parent to dedicate the child, asking God's favor. And and whatsoever we ask, uh, believing that shall we receive and that we want God's favor on our children. Everybody wants that. And so we're making a commitment to God and there's no question God's going to do his part. Right. But, right. but we make that commitment. Well, so, and, and think about that, what you just said. We make that commitment. Well, the only, the only thing that we can do is dedicate the child by saying, I promise, this is a dedication, I promise that I will raise this child up in the word of God uh, in the way that God would have this child to go. And that's all we can do. We, there's, we have no ability to save this child. And, and as a matter of fact, neither does the priest. And I know that, again, that becomes offensive. But what you're doing is you are asking one sinner to save another sinner, and you can't do that. Uh, water Sin is not water-soluble. Exactly. <laughs> Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of yeah. sins. Uh, a, 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 I can't be saved by an act of the will of my mother and her pastor when I'm a little baby, even though she took me to the church in the front, put me in a little dress, I guess. I was just an infant. It was a Protestant church, and a man dressed up like a woman sprinkles me with water, gives me, it says in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I, I don't know exactly his phraseology, gives me a little Jesus certificate. Dookie Herget's going to heaven because we did this event. 
That would make salvation by the works of my parents, by the works of the church. I don't have the power to forgive sins on earth. I only can point people to the one who does have the power to forgive sins. So one of the, uh, there's some uh, passages, and you were talking about this earlier, Deuteronomy 139. And and again, this is where uh, they're talking to Moses. They're upset with Moses. You brought us out, right? The red, uh, um, and they're angry. And so here it picks up in verse 39. It says, moreover, your little ones and your children. Okay. There, there's a difference there. Your little ones and your children. That's an age difference. That's a separation gap. That is, um, uh, an under a moral understanding and God lack of, and again, God does not give a exact age nope. at what day that happens. Right. So more that's all through scripture, all through scripture, all through scripture. Mm-hmm. Verse 30, Deuteronomy, uh, 139, moreover, your little ones and your children who you say will be victims who today have no knowledge of good and evil. See, it, it, it's coming down to the moral standard. And what sends us to hell? Well, I'm going to tell you what sends us to hell. Understanding right from wrong and choosing wrong and denying Christ. That, or well, it's denying Christ, ultimately. I don't want to. We're born with a sinful nature. Then we come to an age of reason or understanding or accountability, and we make our choice to sin. Right. We, we are sinners by, by our bloodline, but then we become sinners by choice. Exactly. So uh, Romans 5.12 is what you were saying. Uh, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, that's Adam. Uh, and we've talked about in other podcasts how sin has passed through the man. Sorry, Dad, uh, you are the one that gives <laughs> your fault. sin. It's all our fault, right? Uh, but sin entered into the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. It is a, again, it comes down to uh, we are sinners, and it's a moral decision. Um, I want to point out James 4.17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it. To him. It's sin. sin. And sin is what convicts us. But that word know. That's the key, right? That's the bottom line again. And that's why I said. It's amazing. It says the same thing every time. Every time. And that's why I said in the beginning with, with children that, like my daughter, uh, both of my daughters, your children, it doesn't matter who it is, right? Um, listen, they're running around butt cheeks flapping in the wind, right? And no concern. And then all of a sudden one day they know age of accountability. I believe that's, that's, that's my personal thought process. I, I'm 98%. You're getting there. 98.5. I'm going to, I'm going to have you there before it's over. Well, I think you are, Johnny. <laughs> so hey, let me, let me drag something else into this. Um, I've worked with handicapped people, mentally handicapped uh, people for many, many years. My family's all involved in that, providing residential housing for special needs people. Been doing it for 40 years, and it's just way high on our family's hearts. My children were raised with a lot of special needs people, and we just have a heart for that, the deaf, the special needs. The Bible says, uh, uh, Jesus talks about comfort, the feeble-minded. Not only is God, I think, all children under the grace of God until that age of reason, uh, but I believe all the feeble-minded are as well. I think I, I would take a bullet on that one too. I know people whose bodies are 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, but their minds only made it so far. They're in the, under the grace of God. 
we've had some special treasures in our church with special needs people. And um, I, I just think of some that we have served closely, those special needs people that came to our church, and they were just like little children right. mentally, and I'm going to see them on the other side. If we've served them well on this side, I think some of the things I'm most excited about to heaven is reconnecting with some uh, one of our gals in our church. Charlotte Brady's been with the Lord, but she just had us wrapped around her little finger. Right. And uh, just brought a sweetness to our congregation and to our lives. So, but but again, it, it comes down to uh, knowing or understanding. Mm-hmm. And and if you're if you are mentally challenged to the degree that you don't understand, yeah, developmental yeah. disability. Yeah, yeah. And and mm-hmm. so God, listen. I think I believe that you fall in line as the child. Yeah. So I would say that hell has never heard the cry of a child. I would say hell yeah. has never heard the cry of a special needs uh, uh, mentally. Uh, um, limited person. And, uh, I think that's gonna be one of the sweetest things about heaven. I, I yeah, I'm going to agree. I, I have another verse that I want to read Isaiah seven sixteen. Isaiah seven sixteen says the same thing that Deuteronomy said, and that we were talking earlier. And it confirms again, once again, the understanding. So in Isaiah seven sixteen. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good. And one more time. It's, right? It's so repetitive. So when we look in the passages, do we have one that says children go to heaven or babies go to heaven when they die? No. But what we do have, and, and again, it's implicit. You know, it implies, and we have so many passages that imply the truth that we're, that we're trying to convey. Now, listen. There's going to be some of you out there who go, I do not agree. Well, that's your right. I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to agree with this. I, and, and well, here's the thing. How do you explain these passages for before the child shall know to refuse evil and do good or in Deuteronomy 139, moreover, your little ones and your children who say will be victims who today have no knowledge of good and evil. It comes down to a moral responsibility and understanding that's necessary to be convicted to go to hell and a child does not 99.5 we're there we're almost there we're almost there about one more verse i'm over the edge (laughs) (laughs) all right i'm there i'm there yeah man they're just that's that's sweet they're just it's it's clearly not your birthday when you turn 12 Right. That's clear. Right. It is an age, a moment of awakening. And I, I I think I agree with your professor, but it's really cool because you use the word implicit. God doesn't say this or that, but God said it the way he wanted to. And he wants us to know that every, we framework everything where you started out with, with the love of God and to turn around and say that a child could be in hell. I think God would just slap you silly. Yeah. I, because there's just, there's too many issues and too many verses in the Bible that would contradict absolutely uh, that a child would go to hell. And for someone to, to say, like they told uh, Billy Graham, and I'll go back to, to quote it, it. Oh, Billy Graham is, is offering a new gospel justification by youth alone. Th- that it to me is ludicrous uh, that he would even say that because Again, how can God, and we even see it in other passages, which I should have brought up and I didn't, where, where God says, you know what, because you were ignorant of this, I extend more grace, but now you're no longer ignorant, so you'll be held accountable. 
why would it be any different for a, an infant or a child that is, has no clue? They're, they're, they have a sin nature, yes, but they're innocent of the sin that they're acting out because they don't even know yet. And they've never made a sinful choice. They've never made a But the day that they understand their nakedness, there is an understanding, I believe. And then God says, okay, now you understand morally. You know, before you were trained, no, don't touch. Yes, you better listen. You're going to get a spanking if you don't do or if you don't listen. But now, on your own volition, you are going, oops, I got to cover myself because it is wrong to be naked. Yeah. Here's another slant to that. Is uh, that 100%? I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, in. I'm 100%. <laughs> Give me that. Okay. Here's an interesting thing. Uh, a child, I believe, cannot go to hell uh, under an age of reason, under an age of accountability. But can a child be saved prior to age of accountability and awareness, which is a very interesting uh, thing to bring into this. I have a, I was blessed to raise three children. My daughter Leah was seven when she made her profession of faith in Christ. My daughter Rachel was eight. When she was about 13, she kind of re-upped it. She was a little bit right. unsure. We just say drive down a stake. Just call upon the Lord. Don't worry it, about it. Yep. You don't have to go I, back. I love, the, I love it. Just drive in the stake. Yeah, you and, don't have to psychoanalyze yourself. And what was your theological discernment and uh, position at that time when you were seven years old? Uh, uh, you, that's that's ridiculous. God loves you. Just drive down a stake, which she did, never doubted again. Amen. Uh, my son was about seven also when he uh, received Christ into his heart. Uh, you know, a lot of times children want to please their parents, but when my children um, came to faith, we, we had that little insecurity. Do they understand what they're doing? Is this for real? And we don't want to push our children, and we want it to be their faith, not our faith. It has to be. And it was so sweet because uh, my daughter Leah, when she made her profession of faith, she, she sat up in the house. I was out on a Saturday visit and mom said, well, do she goes, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to make sure I go to heaven. I, and mom, and she said, I want dad to pray with me. So I wasn't home. Mom said, well, dad'll be home in about a half hour. So she sat on the couch and waited. I didn't come home for two hours. She sat there for two hours waiting. And, um, when I got home, mom said, Leah has some questions about Jesus coming into her heart. And so we went over and she said, Dad, I, I'm a sinner and I need uh, to, to be saved. She's like seven and a half years old. And I'm like, okay. So we went up to the church, got on our knees at the altar, and she prayed the sweetest little prayer. And it was amazing. The next, I mean, it was like that day she quit fighting with her sister like she always did. Right. There was a change. It was a radical change. She came to me and said, Dad, you know, fighting with my sister is a bad sin, isn't it? I'm like, yeah. She goes, wow. I, I got to stop that. You know, and she's, I can't believe for Rachel. Rachel still got her problems, but I'm not going to start any problems with her again. But there was an awareness of sin, a repentance from sin, and asking right. forgiveness right. for sin, and putting her faith in Jesus that he suffered, bled, and died. He paid for her sins on the cross. She's seven and a half years old, and there was a, a radical change so I'm in just, her life. I'm just curious. Uh, do you remember how far before that, that she understood her nakedness? Uh, you know, I, I don't. Uh, it was... Because most people don't think about that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, it's been quite a while. I, I remember, like, put some clothes on, girl, and they could care less. I had the same experience. But yeah. <laughs> I didn't have the same professor. I wasn't watching for it, John. Yeah, they right? Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll bounce that off yeah. my wife when we get home and yeah, see think if she can remember. See if she can remember... Uh, but I just find, I find that interesting. There's a couple other passages here that I want to point out is that there are some, 
in in some scriptures where God sanctifies the child in the womb. Boy, that's a big one. In the yeah. womb, he said, uh, Jeremiah 1, 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. We know there were special births with John the Baptist, special birth with Samuel. We talked about him early. I think a special birth for Moses. Mama hit him, and, you know, Mama made that commitment, and, boy, God had her hand all over that. Moses was brought up with that sense of destiny. You should have died. Right. And you just have these special births all through Scripture. Yeah. And I, I make application of that, that uh, I think that applies to you and me. I am I am not going to argue that. Oh, I was going to say you were 98, I'm but not, you're, oh, you're 100%. I, I'm not going to argue that. Well, and the reason I'm not going to argue it, because God knows who we are from the very beginning when he formed us in the womb. Yeah, he got it all. And, all and he, knows, he knows who's going to surrender to him and who isn't. And therefore... Yeah, he's like, you know what? I'm going to use you for this. In my theological view, he gives us volition, and he knows what we're going to do with our choice right. ahead of time. Absolutely. That is omniscience to me. Yes. I don't see God forcing this upon us. He knocks on the door of our heart. He expects us to open it. If we open it, we're saved. He knows that what we, if we will or won't. The, the, the elect are those whosoever will, and the non-elect are those whosoever won't. That's how I see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with that. Luke one fifteen is one that you were referencing on John the Baptist. When you said John the Baptist. Yeah, I've read the Bible, John. <laughs> a couple times. <laughs> yeah. So in, in 114, uh, Luke 114, it says, and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. Talking to uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth about the birth of John the Baptist. And then in 15, it says, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. What an awesome God. Oh, my goodness, right. I love how you started this out on the foundation of God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And you think a God who so loved the world to pay that price for us. I mean, he created us, then he redeems us, then he's going to have these little children who don't understand yet. Well, and Jesus said for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Yeah. yeah. The shame, and he, he endured the cross and, and the shame before going to the cross, right? For the joy set before him. Well, what's the joy that was set before him? Us. People. Yeah. Our response to his love. Oh, my goodness, right? Yeah. So... We're going to land the plane on this one, and we're going to say, I believe, without question, 100%, 100%, babies and young children go to heaven. But I, I also believe that the moment they understand their nakedness, from that point on, there is a moral uh, part of them that now they're held accountable for it. I think that's an indicator right there. I think it is the indicator. How could I be 66 years old? Never heard that before, John. Right, because you didn't sit down with me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you think, because a lot of people, a lot of people don't, don't look at it that way. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's without doubt. Uh, because God is not the author of confusion and God never, uh, God gives us answers and shows us things throughout scripture 
if we look for them a study. Now, there's some things in the Bible that I've talked to you about where you've said, uh, Johnny, don't do a podcast on that. (laughs) (laughs) Safe and sound, brother. Safe and sound, right? And and I'm still tossing it because I still want to do a podcast on that. And I might one day, but I, I have to figure out how I can put it so I don't lose everyone. But but I, I just feel like God says, listen, if you, if you really pay attention, and, and there's so much in the Bible, we can't get it all. That's why we need each other. Or iron mm-hmm. sharpens iron. Amen. And, but if you, if you pay attention, it's in there, and I'm going to help you. And I think that's one of it. And then I, with this verse, uh, go ahead before I finish. One up. last wrinkle in my Bible study with my seniors the other day, a grandmother asked me, what happens to little children of uh, believing parents when Jesus comes, we have the rapture of the church, he takes the parents home. Does he leave the kids behind? I say, absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. I think every child will be raptured out when I got a little... Uh, well, only... So that it comes down. So let me ask you this. Say the child's five years old, but understands their nakedness. You have to study that one hard time. <laughs> but I'll tell you where I'm at. See, this is where you're the nice guy. Uh, You're not going to call that one out. Um, I personally believe that when Jesus returns, that uh, moms and dads that are raising little children under the age of accountability. Absolutely. Okay. I'm in. uh, I'm in. uh, They are, uh, they go out together. 10,000%. If Jesus comes tonight, he's not going to leave my uh, eight week old grandson behind. Absolutely not. No, he's going to take him. But at the age of accountability, that's the separation. Yeah. And, and, and again, we don't know what age it is because it depends. And on I'm hoping it would be referring back to what happened to Egypt, those under 20, but I can't prove that. I, I, I don't know if I really believe that. That would be more of a hope than a faith. That's a hope, and I think it's a false hope. Because, I think you're right. Because how many, how, many, <laughs> <laughs> how, many, how many at the age of 20 don't understand their nakedness, <laughs> especially today? Yeah. You know, I did I did a podcast with with my daughter, which was dude so special, and it was on pornography. pornography. Wow, that was, that was and, a special special young lady you raised. Oh she's my god, godly she's girl, so awesome, right? But in that, she said that there are children. They did a survey: children as young as uh, five are watching pornography on a daily basis. Yeah, I got exposed to it at age six. My dad had a pile of stuff, and I didn't know what it was. But even then, I had a sense like this oh is my dirty goodness. because I saw it and I hit it, and I didn't want anybody to know that I saw it, and I pretended like I did, and I would have lied to cover yep. it up. You know why? Because at six, you so, understood your nakedness. Yeah, something. Yeah. And so when you when you see naked, you go, "Oh, this is wrong." I did, and I was that, probably six or seven. That is a moral piece that God puts in us that determines. Uh, who we are or whether we go to heaven or not but what a great topic fantastic topic starts with the love of god and what it's going to end with the love of god there we go genesis eighteen twenty five. far be it from you god they're talk, uh, uh, speaking of god to do such a thing as this to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should be as the wicked far be it from you exclamation point he's adamant here and then it says Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And I believe because God is righteous and he is holy and it's far from him to judge the righteous with the wicked and to put them in the same category. And you can't judge an infant as wicked when they've had zero opportunity to display anything but innocence. Yeah. I think you nailed it, Johnny. Not perfection. 
but innocence. innocence. Yeah. And that and that's the difference. Uh, nobody's perfect. We're all born with sin nature, but God will not judge the innocent with the wicked. Hallelujah. What a savior. Amen. Right. So I believe children go to heaven. I believe babies go to heaven. And, uh, but I believe that the, the end of that opportunity is when the age of accountability happens. And for me, I believe it's when they understand their nakedness because now they can attach morality to it. I learned a lot today. Amen. That's why we do these things. That's exactly why we do it, man. Yeah. Not only do we teach and help one another, but hopefully we help each other. We do. And, and, um, and it's good, right? It's a joy to teach the word of God. Hey, man, I love it. Hey, guys, I hope that you have enjoyed this. I hope it has taught you something. And uh, if you have learned, if this has helped, maybe someone else can use it as well. So please like, share, subscribe, follow, and invite someone else to watch the podcast or to listen to the podcast. I am your host, John Westfall. This is my co-host, Pastor Duke Herget, and we are wishing you a blessed week. God bless. God bless.